four, five, six. Beautiful. Put up the wrong number of fingers right there. Doesn't matter. Fingers don't matter. Fingers are just for fun. The clap's all that matters. Oh my God. Live by the clap, die by the clap. The sound of the clap <laughs> sets you free. Hey, pal, if the clap could kill you, I never would have made it through a sophomore year. <laughs> Did you say grandma or grandpa? Either way. I heard grandma and it has a whole different interpretation <laughs> to me. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Nerdy for 30, the podcast where we talk about nerdyish things for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer. With me, as always, is my co-host, Tim Keck. I, this is our first movie that we have covered officially in uh, season three so far. And I want to address a note that we've gotten on the first two seasons so far. People have tuned into the podcast very kindly. Thank you so much for listening to this. Mm -hmm. You know, you, again, very kindly have shared this with people. There's a good chance that if you're listening to this, you know us personally. We've crossed paths at some point. (laughs) But a few friends have said that they've shared this to other people, uh, people that do not personally know us. And uh, the resounding reaction from those people is, who are these guys? We don't really... Explain who we are. We've and never we had won't. any. <laughs> Let's get into the movie. Megan, Kevin. <laughs> Today we're talking about Megan. Um, I will dive right in with this. I loved this movie. I didn't I I didn't think that it achieved the heights that it could have achieved. I think that PG 13 rating really held it back. I think we can maybe trim 15 minutes of this and uh, add in some more R-rated like thrills. And I think this is a better movie. But overall, I mean, I'm happy with considering this a modern classic. Tim, do you agree? <laughs> do you disagree? Where are you at? This movie is fantastic. I have two big beefs, one of which you've already touched on. Biggest beef, it's PG-13. This should be an R. Maybe as not as many people are seeing it if it's an R. Uh, maybe it doesn't have all the hype. Maybe it's not blown up the way it is if it's an R, but it should be an R that would make this movie better. Second one, not enough dancing, Kevin, not enough dancing. We saw all the dancing in the trailer. There's no more dancing. (sighs) They need more dancing. If this, if this movie had just like, had, you know, I don't need, I I want to, uh, math's not my strong suit. I want to, I want to prescribe a percentage to this. If it had 50% more dancing and killing, this would have been the greatest movie ever. Uh, it did not, uh, could have done more killing. She let too many people live. You know, the assistants survived. The assistants should have died in the most gruesome way possible. They almost did. They didn't. And that's a, that's a big L and she should have been dancing the whole time. Why wasn't she dancing constantly? It's crazy to me that the assistants lived when we can. I mean, again, we're getting right into this. I want to get into my biggest beef with the movie. Um, the people that she decided to kill seemed so inconsistent. Assistants lived the like CEO of this toy corporation. She started trying to kill. To my knowledge, she had no beef with this guy. Like when he saw her dancing at the end of the hallway, I'm running through in my brain and going, have they ever met? Outside of when she was kind of glitching out when they were first presenting her to him. I don't think they had any interactions and yet she wanted to kill him. She really only has one motive in this, which is to protect the kid. And 
that really goes out the window in the, in the third act. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it needed to. I think there's a no. way to do the story where it's all under the guise of protecting her. She throws mm-hmm. a tantrum because she's a kid who's been through trauma. She she goes through another traumatic experience. She throws a tantrum. This will this this character becomes overly aggressive defending her. I mean, it could be as simple as like, you know, I'm sad because, you know, my my aunt has to work late because her boss is the worst. He's evil. And then she goes and kills, you know, like, yes, there's enough there. There's enough meat on that bone where it's like I will do anything I can to the nth degree to to protect this girl who, by the way, perfect casting with Caddy or Katie or whatever her name is. Oh, they yeah. found the saddest looking girl <laughs> in the history of the world. And they gave her a ju- gave her, They told her to be herself. And she knocked it out of the park. Boy, what a bummer that kid is. My God, that girl. I don't think that girl's ever smiled a day in her life. And when she did, it didn't feel right. Oh, Man. my God. Did you ever watch the Homestar Runner cartoons online when you were a kid? I thought vaguely. Like yeah. Homestar Runner and Strong Bad. They had a character at one point. They tried to design the saddest character possible. It was like a one legged <laughs> puppy named Will Buada. Um, And his slogan was like, I can make it on my own. And he's this one legged puppy that's going to try to do it on its own no matter what. But, oh, he's so tragic. And she's like a human manifestation as Will Buada. She's like Debbie Downer, but like, you know, as a as a kid, you know, and then she grows up to be like scared of everything and everything's sad. Everything close to me dies. The world's going to burn. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? <clears throat> I was about to say that she kind of reminded me of the protagonist for Malignant, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Malignant yet, same writer as Megan. Go see Malignant. Is it really? This movie's bonkers. Yeah, that's the thing. This that connection. I was like, she reminds me of her. And then it's like, yeah, the same writer. I think it's like, I think kind of that's where her protagonists are at, you know, as a writer. Interesting. Yeah, they're bo- she loves a sad sack who's just kind of done with everything, which. Yeah. Is interesting. I mean, they're both themes of like protection, right? Oh, for sure. <clears throat> And I think it's a more fun way to kind of get people on board with a character, a character than your like typical, you know, slasher movie. It's like the horrible, stereotypical like bimbo girls in the 80s. And it's like, oh, I can't possibly run from this murderer into the pond. I don't want to get my socks wet. Like (laughs) it's so much more fun when it's like, you know, you see someone go through something that would understandably leave them very shaken. And so you empathize with them immediately. And then when you're rooting for them to get through this, it's it's rooted in so much more of a place of like, I don't want them to go through more suffering. Um, in the case of both of those characters, like very much so in Malignant and in Megan as well. I really I'm trying so hard to avoid Malignant spoilers because that. It's it's such a throw. Yeah, we it's don't. So much you got to watch it. If you haven't watched it, you got to watch it. It's great. You should also see Megan. The kid you definitely should. Yeah, I do um, feel bad for the kid and also resent the kid and find the kid annoying. <clears throat> really? Well, it's just Daddy, like being you a spoiled brat. You know, at a certain point, it's like, you, you like, just go along with it. I, I don't know. There, I don't I'm not saying I 100 percent love the kid. I Allison Williams, I think. The Nepo baby is like an, another perfect casting for her yeah. where I don't really like her and I don't think we're necessarily supposed to. I mean, she is essentially 
throwing herself into her work to create a doll to spend time with this kid that she doesn't want to spend time with. And even though she says all of the right things, her actions dictate that she doesn't really want anything to do with this kid. So she's nice. She, maybe she's not kind, but she's nice and she says all the right things and she smiles and she loves Katie and wants Katie to be happy and wants Katie to be able to talk to her. But she also doesn't want to talk to Katie and she doesn't want to spend time with Katie. And so she invented this this creature to spend time with her. And I find <laughs> Gemma pretty unlikable. And the kid becomes this kind of unlikable brat who's like lashing out at everybody. You know, that that, that, that it, it isn't it's not unearned. On both sides, it makes sense. And it's not unearned because one, you know, Gemma didn't ask for a kid and the kid also didn't ask for her parents to be killed (laughs) and to be slapped onto her aunt. So they're both in an impossible situation that brings out the worst in them. And they just kind of exacerbate each other in a way that's, you know, fun to watch and enjoyable. But I'd be honest. I got to admit, I thought, you know, if Gemma gets it, it's not the end of the world. You know, maybe this movie ends with the doll winning and just raising Katie and they're all happy together. I think that's a scenario. (laughs) Holy shit. That would be wild. Like if it ended with somehow like the different AI systems mimicking her voice and doing check ins with. Oh, that's insane. I got chills. I think there's a fun way to pull that off. That's a nice little uh, that's nice little rewrite. Yeah. I like it. I think where this movie really shined is when it was able to, you know, go off of the shocker, like where it shined is where Megan as an antagonist had motivations that were understandable and clear. Um, Revolutionary screenwriting (laughs) principle. Um, And I think the most effective death for me was the next door neighbor because I don't think it was made explicitly clear, but you can interpret the fact that Megan probably heard Allison Williams saying something to her along the lines of like, hey, don't you spray those chemicals along my side of the fence? I think early in the movie, she's like, I don't need, you know, uh, my niece breathing in these like toxic fumes or something. I can't remember if Megan was there for that moment or not. But regardless, the death of her getting stuffed with the like toxic chemicals and turning it on full blast tying the death to the thing that the character did to threaten Katie is brilliant. Like that's a perfect thing of like, if it's um, the boss, if Allison Williams complains like, yeah, I'm sorry, Katie, I could play with you. I could pay more attention if the boss didn't have me burning the midnight oil. And then if Megan like kills him at midnight by lighting a bunch of oil on fire (laughs) or something like tying that in, you know, I didn't make that connection, but that's great. I think that's the first time they get to the house uh, I think the first time we see the house is like with Katie, with Allison. They go to her home. The neighbor is a huge Karen who's the worst. And she's like getting something on the driveway. And then she says, like, you can borrow the pre- you can pressure wash it off. And Gemma's like, I don't I shouldn't have to pressure wash your shit. And then what <laughs> happens? Her th- This this neighbor's face gets pressure washered off, which incredible death. I don't know if you ever oh, been yeah. hit with a pressure washer, but that thing could definitely take skin off. And yeah, that's the kind of thing where I was like, oh, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> I know it's going to be messed up, but I kind of want to see the cartoonish like and like, you know, like skin being like flopping, like flopping off in the spray of water on there. It's such a good death that I don't think I've seen before. I, I kind of wanted more. Do you do you think they uh, 
it's a pretty masterful dog death as well, I think. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, you never like to see it, but uh, I, I it was heartbreaking in this movie. I felt so bad for that next door neighbor. I'm never going to. You felt bad you know, for the neighbor? Yeah. The, oh, the neighbor off, was awful. The neighbor was awful. The pet also, never once, deserves it. Once the dog bit her, I was like, the neighbor sucks because there's no bad dogs. There's bad people. And if you're if you have a dog that is acting out and biting people and causing a problem, you're the fucking problem. And your face should get pressure washed off. That's where I draw the line. That's, I got a I got a pressure washer. I got a pressure washer. Get me get me a hose because I've got a pressure washer to take to this dog owner's face. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! That, that death around. is absolutely so. There's a rumor swirling around that there is an R-rated cut. I've heard hard R-rated cut oh, of this movie that might get released if there's enough fan demand for it. I don't know if that would be like the digital release, like an unrated edition or something like that. The pressure washer scene. There's got to be a grosser version of that out there, because when it happened, I was like, I, you know me, I don't like slasher stuff that much. Like I'm I don't love gore uh, in my horror movies. So when the pressure washer came out as a weapon, I was like, this is going to be a rough couple minutes. <laughs> this is not <laughs> going to be fun. Um, and then it just, you know, it looked like pretty cartoony, like she got hit with the blast of hose. I'm OK with that kind of stuff in a PG-13 rated cut of this movie, because I do think it's fun that it it probably opens this movie up to more people. And I do think it's a very fun movie that I would love to become like a modern classic in any way. I love Megan. Um, but I do feel <laughs> a little bit robbed because I think like it's such a deceptively good movie. It's such a deceptively subtle movie that I think that kind of like expertise and subtlety and some of the commentary with like Alison Williams pawning off, raising this kid onto electronics and ai i think it's heightened when you also show mastery of the form by like going fucking wild with the like kills and deaths in a slasher movie i agree i well what was your next favorite death then are there because i i do think that's maybe a weakness of this that i think you would get more in an r is like we aren't getting these like insane deaths that i i think this creation is more than capable of you know the paper, yeah. the paper cutter sword is fun, I guess. That uh, was the cable thing one. was neat, but nothing, nothing really uh, to write home about. I think other than the I mean, the fight with the kid in the woods is fun. Been pulling off his ear, but she doesn't even kill him. He just like kind of rolls down a hill or something, you know, and gets hit by a car. So her death toll isn't as high as I think it could be in one of these, you know? Oh, definitely not. Megan could have been sneaking off in the middle of the night and just offing people. Like there's there's a it version of this constantly. movie. Oh yeah. She could just be like this like she could have weird. Killed the cop. Oh my god. She probably should have. Like that's a perfect example of like anybody that's snooping around starts going missing. And then, you know, we have a scene where we find like bodies buried like Megan we find out and like the camera pulls out and it's like a graveyard worth of (laughs) (laughs) hundreds hundreds and thousands of bodies I even kind of thought they were playing it so safe for so much of the movie that I thought when this like release thing was going to happen I thought for sure we were going to get a situation where all the doors to the building get locked because they have that like brand representative saying like we need more people in here I thought the door was going to get locked and Megan was going to kill like 300 people <laughs> um, well like what's yeah, the justification favorite- for that 
How does she justify that? I don't think that? there is one. Unless, <clears throat> like, somehow it's like, you you have to tie it back into Katie, or it's not interesting at all. Like, um... Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say, is my next favorite one's probably The Paper Cutter Death, just because I'm a huge fan of the Thomas Jane Punisher movie, and that was the first time I ever saw somebody use like a paper cutter as a weapon, so it brought me right back. But there wasn't really reason to do that, because she didn't even know that that guy had shared the files. He's just a random employee of this company. But she didn't know he shared the files, right? She oh wait yeah so she killed he downloaded the CEO. her files because then he then she taunts him and says she kills the CEO and she's like who's gonna believe you because you're you were stealing from the company and then you got discovered so then you lashed out you know and That's she's right. blackmailing right. people like yeah. there is this very fun horror aspect of this where she knows everything because she has all your data and then she does these grisly horrible things in a way that like she can incriminate you at like there mm. are a lot of other quintessential horror characters that do that right that like set you up to be framed you know michael myers isn't going around like murdering people and then <laughs> staging a scene like planting a glove you know, leaving dna at a crime scene megan could just fabricate everything i don't i think it almost be scarier if the ant wrongs her and so then she incriminates the ant for the neighbor's murder. So the aunt goes to jail. And she can be alone with Katie. And she can oh be alone with God. Katie. But then oh, they need a guardian. That's so cool. I mean, there, there's things like that that could be taken care of where it's like she figures out ways of removing these people, but also listening to Katie. You know, like I can't kill Gemma, but I can put her in jail and throw away the key, or I can lock her up in the basement somewhere. Or et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think there's just so much more to play with with this form. I mean, gosh, she's the perfect vessel. Megan is. We got we got two, three more movies coming for sure. Can't Easy, wait, dude. Can't worst wait. case scenario. Absolute worst case scenario with this one is that they go too quickly with the angle of Megan's have been mass produced by this other company. Like the other company gets the files. They make a fuckload of Megan's like if there's even two Megans in the next movie, it's a wash. You don't need more than one Megan. Like she's <clears throat> omnipotent, omniscious, omniscious, omniscient AI. Like that's all it takes. It's so much scarier if it's one person. They did it in Stranger Things. It was like we had the Demogorgon of the first season, terrifying. Second season, there's a bunch of demo dogs. It's, it's just not as scary. It dilutes it for sure. Absolutely. But she is like part of like the house now, right? Isn't that kind of implied at the end? Like she's like in the she's like in the Google home or whatever and is like watching everything. She's like controlling that. So she's out there and she exists. What mm. if this other company builds a body for her? And then the beginning of the next movie is her getting into the body. And then she then she turns around and starts like hacking people apart or whatever. But then what's her like that? Is is she still obsessed with Katie? Is she out for revenge? How do they maintain this character like protection thing going forward? Because it seems to be like a crucial difference in her character. And I don't know how replicable it is. Right. Yeah, because you don't just switch it to a different character because then you're just playing out the exact same movie again. And if it's Katie. You got to get in there quick because like 
realistic, like just past what we currently have tech is so crucial to this movie that I think if you wait 10 years, it could be a radically different tech landscape. Like (laughs) I think people will have a completely different relationship with AI in like 10 years. So you kind of got to get in there quick. Maybe how do you keep her from being like Jarvis or something too, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, maybe it will be, you mentioned Jarvis, maybe it'll be like an Ultron thing where it's like maybe the other company mass produces Megan bodies, but evil Megan is only jumping from one body at a time. So like, I think they showed in age of Ultron, which body Ultron was in at any given point in time, because most of the drones had red eyes, but then whichever one his like main consciousness was in had blue. So yeah, maybe it'll be a similar thing with Megan's. What if, what about, what about if it's just like a general, like kids, like protecting kids against their parents. And then the, and then the next movie is just like killing adults. And it's like all these kids are like, you know, mad at their their dad and then their dad gets murdered or whatever. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like talking about the making character is even more fun than the movie, which we should talk about this movie and yeah. just like going to the theater because our boy Spencer Pazer. I mean, he's wrong, but not very end game level hype was the words he kept repeating <laughs> in, a, in a stone stupor <laughs> end game level hype. Everyone in our theater was on something, Kevin. People were yelling at the screen. People came correct. I don't know of a movie. I don't think I've been. Well, I'm trying to think of a showing where the audience came like more prepared for a movie than this one. It would have to be like a franchise. It would have to be like Star Wars, you know, where people are already dressing up like like a a property that we're familiar with. But this Mm. is a brand new property, brand new, like a brand new idea. And people were hyped for it. They knew everyone tonally knew exactly what we were going to get. Our theater was hyped and into it. Everyone's screaming at the thing. People are making jokes. It was like just a good time at the movies. I, I don't know. I, I can't even relate it to anything. It This is our generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Where people are going to be watching this. <laughs> it's not good enough. It, it's not good enough. I got to say that. Slow. It's a little it's not, too it's slow. Definitely yeah. too slow. It's good, but it's not great, but it could be that type of thing. And they definitely could do like a sequel where it has that kind of like energy and vibe and the goofiness. And it was great, but it it had that kind of energy in the theater, which I had thought was a blast, man. It was a blast. This is a great movie. See, it was so much fun. I that was exactly the experience that I want when I go to see a movie on a Friday night. It's the Friday night. It's the opening night of the movie. Everybody kind of buzzing before the movie starts. And I mean that very literally, because as Tim (laughs) mentioned, everybody in the theater was on something. I went, the restrooms were like directly across the hallway from our theater. I'm walking back into the theater after using the bathroom. uh, And a girl, this is before the movie starts. A girl came all the way down the ramp outside of the theater, checked what movie poster was next to the door steadied herself and went okay (laughs) and went back inside (laughs) oh it was amazing i mean we had somebody that was like basically trying to get like chance started in theater beforehand it was it was great people just absolutely destroyed watching this movie movies are back man movies are back baby this is what tom cruise wanted for us Mm. movies are Mm. back God, I love it. (laughs) 
Should we do some beefs and thieves? Yeah, let's do some more beefs and thieves. Okay. Well, you got any? Uh, you got any beefs? What are your, your aside from the the dancing and the uh, lack of an R rating? You got you got any big beefs? Let's see here. I think yeah. I think uh, it was a little slow for me, especially because we get it. Like we understood it. One of the big strengths of this movie is that it is really tonally clear. I don't think there's ever like a tonal mismatch in this movie. It knows what it is. It plays that all the way through. It's great. Because of that, it was kind of jarring to see it play itself out so much like an 80s movie where it feels like it needs to kind of introduce you to the genre. Like, do you remember how with like the early X-Men and Spider-Man movies, they had to kind of sell audiences on the idea that we were going to see a superhero movie and really take their time with like the setup and people getting powers and all that. Yeah. It felt like it was doing that for like a Chucky style movie. And it's like, yeah, Chucky was like 40 years ago. Like we got it. (laughs) We know what this is. Um, I would have loved to see it start sooner and uh, accomplish a little bit more. I think a little bit of a faster pace would have helped get it to that like Rocky horror status. And I would love to see that in the sequel. How about you? That's why I have high hopes for Megan two back in the habit because they <laughs> they'll know exactly what they want. And they're like, cut to it, cut to cut to Whoopi Goldberg with the kids, teaching them how to sing. We get it. We get it. We get it. Megan, just build the Megan, get to killing, find the girl, do the thing. I, I like Ronnie Chang, maybe a beef. Yeah. I don't I didn't love Ronnie Chang in this and I feel like I could have. I don't know. I I don't know if he was getting weird direction. Maybe he's just not a great actor. I know he's like a funny guy and like a good I I, I guess I want to see I simultaneously want to see more of him and also was underwhelmed by him in this movie, if that makes sense. I totally get it. It was never clear to me why they hired a stand up in that role. I didn't feel like that was a role that had to be funny. No, it really did. I feel like almost a serious actor would be better for that. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd go actor there over like comic. Oh, yeah. Who jumps out at you? Oh, man, I'd go old man. I was <laughs> thinking maybe like I was thinking you swing for the fence as you try to put in Jeremy Irons. Oh, my. Can you imagine if <laughs> you had Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Irons and Megan? Be awesome doing that. <laughs> I think he I, might do it, dude. He did watch. Gosh. Them. Yeah, but Watchmen is like, you know, the top tier. It's like the uh, the creme de la creme of comic books. You know, it's like uh, yeah. as close to art as comic books get in a lot of, uh, I think, people's pompous viewpoint. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I don't know if he's I don't know if he exudes enough authority uh, or something. I don't know. I would have gone. I would have gone actor there. But I'm also like, oh, he's really funny. He should be in something. There's definitely something he could be doing in this. Uh, but they also killed him off. Right. So. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, thief. The summer camp thing was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Her going to the summer camp and having that guy like in the woods following her around. The run was very cool. Could have used more of the run. The body, yeah. the body horror in this was was slept on a little bit. The bits we saw great. Could have used more. Could have used more. Absolutely. What is up with all these movies? This reminds me of like Violent Night. Why are all these movies were always like could have used more? Could have used more. Why don't they just give us more, Kevin? I know you're supposed to leave us wanting more, but couldn't you just give us a little more? Why are you holding back like this? Why are you doing this? You know? Ah, uh, I maybe there's some kind of reluctance and they needed to prove there's an audience first. It's 
exactly the opposite of what we talked about with Taika Waititi and James Gunn with their Marvel projects in the past, where they will do something and they'll really swing for the fences and do a lot. And it's like, you got the exact right quantities. And then they bring them back for a sequel and they do it too much. Like they push it a little too far over. So maybe this is what we need for the first one so that they can bring back these directors and say, do it again, but go a little further and we'll get the classics. Violent Night 2, Megan 2, they're going to be classic movies. Yeah, it sucks. You have to make like a medium, you know, like like a mid movie in order to get like money to make a movie that's too over the top. But even then, I'll tell you what, I think I prefer. I don't know. I don't know if I prefer it. I don't want to get into the whole like Thor talk, but I I like those things. I'm okay with James Gunn going over the top. I'm okay with Taika going over the top. I like I like it. I'm in. Mm. I get it. I want more of the same. I like more of the stuff on top. So I don't know. I feel like this whole pot is just us hyping up uh, the (laughs) saying, hey, we need a sequel and uh, please let us work on it. Oh, my God. I'm I'm trying to play right now. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the body horror stuff you brought up, I would have loved to see some more like weird, gangly, like impossible robot bodies. Um, The like robot helper that Allison Williams made in college was really cool. Uh, I would have loved to see some other like weird robotic, like half finished things. And, you know, you have a wonderful opportunity to give Megan a truly terrifying form. I did think when her face piece came off and we saw like just the robotic eye, like laser eyes and like the opening for her mouth underneath. I thought that was really freaky. I thought they did a good job of making that like very realistic, but also quietly very scary. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I don't know if this is a scary movie. I don't know if I would say this is like it's not really scary at all. I think there's a Mm -hmm. way it could be scarier. There were scary moments like the threats and her imitating the voice was very cool. Yeah, that scene was awesome and super intense. And that was another movie. (laughs) Another part where I'm like, Katie, you you dumb child, like just figure (laughs) this out. (laughs) And another this is another instance of I guess I have no idea how old children are supposed to be because I saw this girl and and (laughs) I'm like, she's intelligent. She knows what toys are. She can't you. She was it's clearly like I feel like it's an older actor playing younger and dumber. And I saw her art at one point and I was like, oh, this kid sucks at <laughs> like you're not like you're above that. You know, this is like she's making shit that goes on the fridge. And I'm like, no, you should be you should be doing multiplication tables or something you know? like that. This is crazy. It's exactly understand. the same as the cookie and violent night. Where it's exactly. like a cookie that looks just like Santa and it's just <laughs> smeared red on a gingerbread man. I didn't maybe Kevin, maybe all kids suck at art. And that's just something <laughs> maybe I'm tooting my own horn because I was like nine and like, you know, I'm drawing some pretty good stuff. <laughs> and all these kids, maybe the whole time it was trash, Kevin. I don't know. Dude, there's only one way to find out. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you have a kid and you want to find out if they suck at art, email it to us. Dirtyfor30 <laughs> at gmail.com. We're not going to mince words. We'll tell you exactly what we think of it. Please do. Yeah. We, we just need fans with children to have your kid draw something. Send us. Don't. We don't want any real information about your nothing, kids. Nothing. Nothing. I want. No. I want a piece of art and an age. And that's it. And I want to be able to decide there's this this somebody must have done this art project. I should be able to Google like eight year old art and just like see what it is. It does. Does the horse have a face? You know, does the uh, elephant have uh, a really long tail like a tiger? 
does the zebras uh, have spots or stripes? You know, like I, I just I have no barometer for what children do, but there aren't in movies. It seems like they're always terrible artists. Yeah. <sighs> Classic. You know, I think we like this movie just enough to make this, uh, you know, a difficult pod. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> like it's it too just far enough. down the middle. I got one thing that I think we both loved. The yeah. uh, I think the biggest thief for me was completely unexpected. The ad in the very beginning of the movie. Oh, so funny. The whole, it was played. I mean, dead straight. Like it was such a fucking good sketch. Oh, what, what a great, what a great bit. It also set the tone perfectly. Yeah. I think everyone in the theater laughed. Everyone in the theater was like, Oh, okay. I get what this is. This is all a bit and we love it. We're here for it. Yeah, I'd love more bit. It was great. It's it's it so rare. I feel like that we talk about movies on this podcast that so clearly understand exactly what they are and just yeah. go for it. Yeah, it was great. Just one more. I want more. Give yeah. me more Megan. Megan two back in the habit. We'll see you again. Well, hey, what did you think? Did you love Megan? Did you hate Megan? Let us know. Send us an email. Nearly 430 at gmail.com. That's way too loud. Give us a follow on Instagram. Uh, You know, we post some stuff on there. It'll be fun. We'll have a great time. I've been Kevin Bauer. He has been Tim Keck. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay nerdy, everybody. Stay nerdy. Bye. 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 Bye, Megan.